What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to the full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I always am, on Sundays. It's Matt Green, fellow UNG alumni. Go Nighthawks, Matt. Good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. Uh, it's a it's a uh, you know not the not the not the best Saturday that uh, we all wanted, but uh, you know we're here, uh, sticking it out and coming to you guys every week like we do. Let the record show, uh, my lock of the week couldn't have nailed it more. Couldn't have nailed it more. Bam over Georgia and to cover. The easiest pick I mean, of my life. Easiest pick of my life. I mean, you act. Hold on, you act like Georgia wasn't even in the game. They were right. The Let's. Uh, the second they I mean, had they were, Alabama on they the were schedule, winning at halftime. No, the game was over yeah. once Saban got cleared. That third negative test. It was like, oh, it. Uh, this is officially over. Well, that's not true at all because <laughs> they were winning at halftime. But that's fine. They were winning like over halfway through the third quarter. But that's fine. You know, we'll uh, let you you have your own narrative. How you how you saw the game? But are we are we digging into this game right now? No, are we tiptoeing no, no. We'll, in? We'll get we, to it. We'll, we we'll, we'll get to it. Um, but anyway, thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Uh, you can find the episode on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to uh, check us out at chasethomaspodcast.com and all that good stuff. Uh, you can email us at chasethomaspodcast at gmail dot com. Um, what did you end up focusing on? yesterday and this this weekend matt how did uh how did your weekend unfold well fortunately uh for for braves fans i mean unfortunately because obviously they didn't get the win uh, on saturday but it's like because that lsu florida game got uh postponed it was like perfect so i, I just i dug into all those noon games so like from noon to three i was all about college football from like 4 30 to 7 30 i was in the zone with the mlb playoffs and then Obviously, eight o'clock. You know, I kept I kept an eye on all the games, but uh, Georgia Alabama was definitely where my focus at was. But uh, yeah, I mean, those noon games. Some of the, we got some some interesting results in some of those noon kickoffs, some of those early games uh, on a, uh, the SEC games. So I was uh, I was definitely entertained by that. A couple upsets. We'll get into some How about of them. Yourself? Uh, it was good. I mean, so here's something that I, I think people would be surprised to know about me but um i am so excited for some of these sports to wrap up like the nba is my favorite but like it wrapping up was was very nice because it's just too much now and it feels weird being like i feel guilty about being annoyed at how much stuff i have to watch right now because i can't do a lot of the other stuff i want to do because i just have to watch so much sports content but uh yeah, I mean, I I ingested everything. I even spent like a gross amount of time going through the Notre Dame Louisville game this morning. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I mean, you were really that dedicated if you uh, you wanted to sit through that game again. Well, like 
I just have a lot of questions and I really, I, I think you and I differ on Ian book a lot. So we'll get into that game too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, we had a lot going on and the Braves, uh, obviously just, I, it, we'll, we'll have to see recording this before they get started with game seven. So fingers crossed there, but, uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel good about it. Do you, I just, I feel like this is, uh, this is not going to end well for us tonight. Yeah, it's um I hate to pull the old like stereotypical oh it's Atlanta sports fans, you know, but it's like there's a reason that exists. Like we're conditioned to kind of like unfortunately we're not conditioned to just accept mediocrity cuz our teams are never mediocre down here. They're always good. So it's like they give us that sense of hope They're like no, we're good. This team might actually have a chance to win it all. So you get you get your hopes up more and more and then you get a 3-1 lead on the Dodgers. Now we're in game seven. It just, it has an eerie feeling like I've seen this movie before. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I'm not feeling good about it. Um, but, but I we'll will see. say Ian Anderson, yeah, I mean, he's had like the best ERA in baseball over the last like month and a half. So maybe we can uh, get one more magical start from Ian Anderson. Maybe he can give us seven innings, one earned or something, put us in a, Give us a chance to win this game because, oh, man, this Braves team is so fun to watch. I hope we got more baseball. Yeah. Um, well, uh, where are we at picks wise? Do you have uh, do you have your picks from this week in front of you right now? How did how did we I fare? do? And I also got to the bottom of the uh, the miscalculation. What I happened? Had. It was just uh, there was just one push mm. from back in week three. So it was just I didn't count that in the overall record. But uh so this week, I will say, uh, you know, still not necessarily the standard we want to hold ourselves to, but uh, but you bounced back this week. Uh, you went you went four and six against the spread. Still not great, but mm. an improvement from last week. And you went five and five overall. Mm. I went five and five against the spread and seven and three overall. Oh. So I had a solid. Uh, I got another win over you this week, you know. So uh, my overall lead is uh, it's starting to build up there. I'm uh, I'm 40, 40 and twenty one on the season overall to your thirty one and thirty. So I'm like I got a nine game lead on you overall, but against the spread, I am uh, 32, 28 and one on the season, and you are thirty thirty and one. So against the spread is still super close. So. Glad I got got to the bottom of that uh of that calculation error. I'm playing 500 baseball right now. Hey, you know, I mean the 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 Astros almost went to the World Series playing 500 baseball this year. You know, I I, I prefer to to be more like the Dodgers, 40 and 21. Their, their record was something like that. Yeah. So. Hmm. Well, um. And also, shout out to the Rays for knocking out the Astros. A great moment. That's like my favorite sports moment of the week is just ensuring that the Houston Astros did not advance to the the, the World Series. It, it really is. It felt like a bunch of people in sports media had like a tweet like already queued up. Like <laughs> they, they they were like, shit, I was hoping I could tweet this like a couple weeks ago when the Astros lost, but they're still alive. But yeah, everyone's just so ready to rub it in the, the Houston Asterisks. Face. I have the t-shirt. Yeah, no. Um, this is a very anti-Houston Astros uh, podcast. So, yeah. Um, glad to see you go, Houston Astros. Um, Want to get into some, some news and notes before we recap this week's college football action? Yeah, hit me with it. Your guy, Devin Leary, will be out four 
to eight weeks after breaking his fibula this weekend. Uh, how are you? How are you coping with uh, Leary mania? No longer running wild in Raleigh. Oh, uh, you know, NC State. They uh, they they become a, a darling of mine this year, but uh, that's definitely going to hold set them back a little bit. But if the ACC's taught us anything, like. We don't even know what to expect, uh, you know, week in and week out from this conference. You can uh, see anything. But, yeah, that's going to that's gonna hurt NC State moving forward. We'll, uh, we'll see how they can bounce back. I, who is – do you know who their backup is? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, Dave Dorn, though. So it he'll, looks like Bailey Hawkman went four for seven this week. So, I guess that's who came in. He was a pretty highly ranked four-star. Uh I thought he went started at Florida State. He's from McEachern, though. From uh, is he really? Yeah, he he was pretty big time. I honestly, I, I want to say he was committed to Georgia as like a sophomore. Mm. When like when Mark Richt was is that that's got to be way too old. I I don't know. I could be confusing him with somebody else. But um, yeah, I remember he was pretty big time from McEachern. Hmm. But uh, yeah, maybe he's the guy now. Dan Mullen down there in Florida uh has COVID nineteen. Dude, how dumb how dumb does he have to feel right now? Like <laughs> first he wanted ninety thousand people in the stadium, then his team has an outbreak of COVID and now he has COVID. It's like, yeah, bro, this is why this is why we couldn't have ninety thousand people in the stadium. Like, what are you what are you talking <laughs> about? Are you new? This is gonna be going on since March. College football this was not a good week for college football coaches. And Jerry Pruitt being surprised about like his fine. If you saw, he was not wearing the the neck gaiter. Um, we actually shared the neck gaiter. Um, I also have that. He was back in the mask game. And, Do you have a uh, checkerboard one? Yeah, I have. Yeah, <laughs> it's fire. But anyway, he uh, is it. Oh, absolutely. Um, but he got fined, and Saban just taking his mask off to unload on an official, and then put it back on. It's like that defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, um, right. It's like now that you're in someone's face, you take the mask yeah, off. Yeah, like what are you doing? Uh yeah, not a great week for SEC football coaches. Like already was just gonna we knew this was gonna be a problem for them and their dictatorial style, but uh really awful week um for them. And I, I I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Uh I don't think they are epidemiologists. What do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say they probably are not. No. Um, another sad note this weekend, uh, obviously Tennessee, um, had a very unfortunate game. I, I, I'm just laughing about it now. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. It's actually funny. Um, a sad <laughs> balls fan. I sent you this video because it just, it, I couldn't oh, believe this was real. Hysterical. <laughs> he threw a beer. Um, this sad balls fan just, he, he clarified. He's like, I'm not a big drinker. Had two beers. Threw one out the window. Like, I can't even blame it on being drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's even the worst part is he wasn't even hammered. And if you listen to this call, um, the man's wife left him. Tennessee and Jarrett Garantano literally ruined a marriage this weekend. Yeah, that's um, that's what you get when you when you get to Jarrett Garantano, I guess, you know? Just, a, um, just been a turnover machine the last couple weeks. 
So he, uh, this was the Tony Basilio show. I'm not very familiar with it, but it's in Knoxville here. Um, he said, quote, I did something today that I've never done. I messed up through a beer bottle through my window and my life and my wife left me. Um, he was asked if he really did throw the beer bottle through a glass window. Yeah. And I don't even drink. I had two beers. I wasn't even drunk. I just, I can't stand to watch this team anymore. I can't do it. My blood pressure's up and I'm cool and I'm calm. I don't get this way. Yeah, I loved how the the host was like he's trying to pin he's trying to paint a picture. He's like, okay, so when exactly did this happen? Yeah. Like he's trying to this the second pick six. That's he's like, you know what? I was throwing the beer out the window. Like, <laughs> oh man, that's that's wild. But he did apologize to his wife on this call where he said, "quote Honey, Tennessee football's done that. I didn't do it." Blame it on JG. I can't <laughs> watch this team bad. anymore. I can't watch them next week. I can't watch them the rest of the season. I can't watch them anymore. I have to pick a new team. That is where we're at in Knoxville at the moment. At least he's accountable for his actions. <laughs> like this wasn't even me. I I was composed. I kept my composure. It was it was the team that did this to me. Oh man. I, I don't want I don't want to toot my own weekend. horn, but but your boy said this had trap game written all over it. I told you, I just had a feeling about the Wildcats. Great, Matt. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you had a feeling about Tennessee losing at home for the first time to Kentucky since 1984. I'm glad you had that gut instinct. I had it. I could feel it. Just get that feeling. Do you know how many times Philip Fulmer lost to Kentucky? Um, what is it? Zero. It's zero times. Wow, Mark Stoops, man, changing the culture. He had a he, uh, bourbon that on the flight. Losing streak to Florida. Now snap this uh, losing streak in Knoxville. Should have beaten Auburn in week one. Yeah, he should have. The the Ole Miss one was. I'd say Auburn definitely could have gone their way, but uh, the Ole Miss is like, man, just lose on an extra point. I'm telling you, they this could Kentucky, be four and zero. They're easily really four and zero. Yeah, I mean they're a solid team. I um I felt like they've looked solid, and that's why. I just had a feeling they were going to have a game where everything went right for them, and it couldn't have gone more right for them. All right. Well, are you ready to get into this week's games? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's dive in. I don't want to. Just a just a bad week. I, I don't want to, but we have to. Um, I want to start Friday night, BYU in Houston. Houston finally playing some football. Uh, looked good last week, shaking off the rust. Um, BYU gets down um, at the half here. They're down 20-14. to 14. Um, They come roaring back in the fourth corner, 22 unanswered there to improve to 5-0. and um, Zach Wilson goes 25 of 35 for 400 yards and four touchdowns. My note from this game, Dax, uh, these names at BYU are some of my favorites. So my man <laughs> Romney was injured in this game, was not a – it was a non-factor. He's been great all year. So who do they call to step in? Dax Milne for nine receptions, 184 yards, and three touchdowns. I can't believe these are real names, but uh, yeah, he uh, he's a junior and he uh, he went off. Um, this was uh, this was pretty wild. Did you? Uh, what, what what do you make of this game? Yeah, I um. I wasn't sure at first, man. I thought Houston, they were looking like they were going to beat them at one point. And then it seemed like as soon as the fourth quarter started, like they just couldn't stop uh, BYU. And they just, it seemed like they scored on every drive in the in the fourth quarter and just 
like it ended up being a kind of a blowout and it's like it really uh doesn't reflect how how well houston played in this game saturday clemson number one team in the country um <laughs> georgia tech fans the the images of them being tied seven to seven to what it unfolded uh just just brutal mm-hmm. uh, um uh, I, I just I saw some fun people uh, making jokes at uh, did Tech still do their push-ups before this game? Do you think that uh, that hurt uh, their chances <laughs> against Clemson? Um, but yeah, Georgia Tech falls to two and three after Clemson dropped seventy-three points on the Yellow Jackets. Trevor Lawrence goes for twenty-four or thirty-two, four hundred four yards and five TDs. Mari Rogers was the star receiver in this game, going for six. For 161 and two TDs. I think 14 guys caught a pass here today. I was just about to say that. Uh, 17, 17 different guys caught a pass and 10 different guys carry got a carry in this game. Like it was it was an entire team beatdown of uh, of Georgia Tech. But you know, this game was a little closer than the score indicated. <laughs> oh, I'm just joking. They got they, they just got destroyed. What was it 52, seven and a half? Like Oh man, beat down. If they wanted to, they could have dropped a hundred. Um, sixty-six. They, they literally, they easily could have. Yeah, sixty-six. The number of unanswered points by Clemson. The Tigers scored a touchdown at the six fourteen mark in the first quarter to start the streak of touchdowns that didn't end until the seven forty-one mark in the fourth quarter. They just they kept scoring touchdowns until that point. That is insanity. Yeah, it really is. This Clemson offense, it's like, it's almost, I feel like we needed a mercy rule. Like, it's just Clemson, they're just, they've, they're they so overmatched. Well, the, the rest of the ACC, I should say, is so overmatched when they play Clemson. It's just not even, it's not even a ball game anymore. It's just, I just feel bad for these programs because Georgia Tech's not that bad. They're making strides. Sims has shown some flashes, but like Clemson just does this to everybody. It's just they're going to keep doing this, and it, they're clearly a different tier and everything, but I don't know. It's just got to be a blow for these programs that are like, oh, we're making some progress, and then not that much progress, um, and progress yeah, is relative. Like, oh, yeah, we got things moving in the right direction. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but it, you're still a long way from your destination. Yeah. Um, life can be cruel in that way. Um, Georgia, it's time. We got to talk about Georgia. And Alabama. (sighs) Bama beats the Bulldogs 41-24 here um, to improve to 4-0. Georgia falls to 3-1 in the country. They still have a top five uh, chance of making the Cutchwell playoff per ESPN. I was going through those this morning. Mac Jones, I think, was the biggest star in this game. That was my biggest takeaway. He completed 18 of his final 19 pass attempts. Um, the red shirt junior has three straight games this coming from Bama online of 400 plus passing yards, tying him with Tua Tagovailoa uh, for the program record for 400 yard games. Um, Mac Jones is fine. We're not going to see Bryce young. I don't think this year he's huge. He's got a cannon and I it, just the disparity between Stetson, Mr. 18 of 40 Bennett and, just hitting linemen in the back of the head because he's just so little it just it that was the difference where yeah there's some bad calls and i want to get your perspective on this but ultimately that was my takeaway it's just like 
I told my parents and my family going in, or I was like, I just don't see how Georgia drops 45 on Alabama. And I think it would, I, I said, I think it will take at least 45 to beat this Crimson Tide team this year. And I don't think Georgia's offense is capable of that. And uh, they were not. And Stetson was really bad. And this is the Stetson that I think I expected to see last week. And we saw a little bit of it, but he still was, he did enough to to win but he finally started throwing some picks he finally started uh not dealing with pressure well um i don't know i think this was a really weird game i mean if you're a georgia fan you feel good about milton like that dude's gonna be a star you feel good about the run game which is weird because they just they didn't run the ball like what old miss did to destroy this alabama defense georgia stayed away from and i don't really understand understand why burton was a monster and he's just going to be a mismatch machine for years to come at UGA but uh what did you make of all of this so yeah that was one of the takes I was gonna have about Georgia running the ball it seemed like in the second half you know once Alabama started scoring you know kind of getting that lead it seemed like Georgia just completely abandoned the run game like 30 carries for 145 yards like that's that's productive you know going against Alabama it's like you could you could at least run the ball another 10 times like I feel like they were having success running the ball in terms of Stetson Bennett, I will say I don't think he played bad necessarily. Like I think he's he's clearly just an average quarterback. You know, it's like he some of his shortcomings definitely showed in this game. But it's also like those two balls that are, are that are deflected. It's like it's hard to it's hard to just say those are bad interceptions. You know, especially on the defensive line. Like that's kind of a, a fluky pick. The other one, like he he forced it into traffic. Like that's definitely on him. I think that was honestly. The turning point of the game, for sure, it's this game was essentially lost in like a five minute period, like with four minutes left in the third quarter to like the opening minute of the fourth quarter is where Alabama won this game. So Stetson Bennett, so they with like four minutes left in the third quarter. That's when they hit that 90 yard touchdown. So with four minutes left in the third, Georgia's still holding on to a 24 20 lead. The third quarter was scoreless at that point. Like they they really did contain this Alabama offense for a while. So like why you say Mac Jones, he was obviously a stud, but I think uh Jalen Waddle was definitely my player of the game personally. I feel like he just he was so explosive and Devontae Smith too. It's like Georgia's defensive backs were in good position for a lot of the game and it was like these guys just were snagging on him. Like it was they which made some incredible contested catches. It was like you just got to tip your cap to the other team sometimes. But after that 90 yard touchdown, like Georgia came right back down the field and, and drove in like a minute down 27, 24. And then they throw that you're already in field goal range. And you throw that pick on third down and then Alabama takes it back to midfield. And then you have that questionable pass interference in the end zone. Like I don't even think it was questionable. It just wasn't like that. Just I feel like that's just in yeah. it. It's unfortunate because I feel like Georgia's DBs are a little handsy. Like they they've kind of been that way like the last two or three years. Like kind of maybe that's what Kirby Smart preaches. They just seem like they got some borderline pass interferences on like a lot of deep balls. They just they just kind of get their hands on them a lot. And it seemed like every 50-50 PI or not went against Georgia in this game. Like it seemed like it could have been kind of the reputation of Alabama's receivers. Like, well, if they can't make a play on it. That must have been pass interference. I'm not saying the refs are like, you know, favoring Alabama or anything, but that kind of thing can happen because you do know how good Alabama's receivers are. But 
if that pass interference isn't called, that's a third down stop. And the game is, if they settle for a field goal, that's a 30 to 24 game, like right there at the end of the fourth, at the end of the third quarter. But the fact that they were able to get a new set of downs, punch it in and go up, uh, would have been 34, 24 at that point. Then you could just feel like now Stetson Bennett's pressing, like he's trying to make something happen. And that third pick he threw was just terrible. Like I'm honestly not even sure which guy he was throwing to. It's like, that just, I feel like that's where the experience of being in that hostile environment, like you just, you could see it get to him. And then, you know, the wheels just kind of fell off after that. But what I will say is after this week, you definitely, like, I don't know if JT Daniels is healthy. It appears oh, I have that a point not. about that. Did you read uh, Seth Emerson's recap about this game? I did not. Okay. Um, I highly encourage everybody to check him out. He's like my favorite beat writer. Seth Emerson football. is definitely good for sure. He's really good. The UJ beat writer on The Athletic. So go subscribe if you're not already. Um, he had this little note in his recap where he said, Mathis continues to be the number two quarterback based on pregame warmups, which indicate which would indicate Daniels is still far from being ready. So it sounds like his knee is not even close. And that's what I don't understand is because he, I, I saw pictures from practice last week where he wasn't even wearing a knee brace. And it's like, if this guy's not wearing a knee brace, like he's gotta be healthy. So I don't, I'm not like one of these Georgia fans. that just knee jerk reactions. Stetson Bennett can't get it done. Like this was literally this guy's first road start of his career at Alabama in this electric environment. Like, cut this guy a little bit of slack you know georgia was in a position like going into the fourth quarter where they could easily still have won this game so i um i'm not going to say that georgia can't be alabama in a rematch like in the sec championship like i think it's still possible because i think the first half really just went perfectly according to plan how kirby smart won it like i think the first six drives of the game alabama had 10 points it's like you hold this team to one touchdown and one field goal in their first six drives, like that's that's big time defense. But unfortunately, the offense in the second half just wasn't able to sustain any sort of drives. And you have this Alabama offense on the field for long enough, and they're going to score points. And I thought that ninety yard touchdown by Waddle, it just you could feel kind of the the wind coming out of Georgia's sails there, and then and then the pick right after. I feel like that's what really did them in. But you were right in the sense that they still control their own destiny. I just, I don't know how they changed the, the outcome against Alabama this year. I just, if this is the group, if they're not maximizing these wideouts, like George Pickens, it's like, what even is the point at this point? Demetrius Robinson is just a non-factor. Um, they're just going to be a little inconsistent in whether or not, like, I just don't understand why they did not uh, keep running the football. I don't know how you watch and I, it's the Todd Monken experience now, but like, I don't know how you watch tape of Ole Miss last week and then be like, what if we put 40 passes in the playbook for, uh, for Stetson here? What if he made him throw the ball 40 times against Alabama? Well, that's obviously a little skewed, you know, once you, once you, right. But I'm just saying like, it just seemed like they were, it just Zamir was running a lot better this week. Um, they just have so many options in that backfield. I just, I, I just didn't understand the game plan. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think they abandoned the run a little too soon. But um, you know, it's like a couple years ago, like Georgia lost what was it forty to seventeen to Auburn at Jordan Hare, and then three weeks later they they blast them twenty eight seven in the SEC championship. You know, so obviously it's not ninety two thousand people in Bryant Denny Stadium like a normal year would be. But it's still a road environment, and 
it's Stetson Bennett's third start as a college football player. The SEC championship, if Georgia is there, like that'll be Stetson Bennett's tenth start of the year, most likely, and unless something you know happens with JT Daniels and it becomes his team, like who knows? But if Georgia's you know nine and one going to the SEC championship, Stetson Bennett's going to have a lot more reps under his belt and. You know, you saw with how Georgia could run a little bit on them. And so, you know, I think the blueprint is there for how they get it done. They just got to do it for four quarters because, I mean, they played well for uh, for the first two quarters. But also, how about the uh, right before the half, the putting the second back on the clock? What is how can well, I mean, they, they overturn were that? They did beat it. Like, that was the thing is like they did beat it. I so, don't think they did, though. It's no, like, it hit it's, the ground at one second. It did. It hit the ground. I, I just I don't feel like you can overturn a, a referee's decision on when to start the clock. Like now, that's a different conversation. Do can you do that? I don't know, but do I think that he did beat it? Yes. Like uh, I thought that was questionable. I thought that was that um, also didn't decide the game. And I oh, think, it definitely didn't. But that that was definitely unfortunate from a Georgia perspective to take a four a four point lead into the half as opposed to a seven point lead. It just it got Alabama a little bit of momentum to get. That to steal that three points, especially the Alabama kicker. Since when do they kick hit fifty yard field goals? I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like they might be in field goal range. Or Alabama kickers don't don't kick don't make these kicks. What's going on? That is true. Alabama kicking wall is just a weird weird dynamic that I was not expecting uh, this season. Um, next up, a game that we talked about a little bit. Louisville goes on the road to Notre Dame and falls. 12 to 7 here and they fall to 0 and 4 in the ACC 1 and 4 overall Notre Dame improves 4 and 0 and 3 and 0 um they're just the most overranked number 4 team I've seen in a while like we can go ahead like I, I think, think they're number 3 now too like they're, they're, they're not nowhere near that good this I don't know how much you watched Malik Cunningham is a much better quarterback than uh, Ian Book that was one of my takeaways in this game um Notre Dame's got a lot of options in the run game that I like a lot. Kerryon Williams obviously goes for 25 carries and 127 yards. It's just, they're really bad in the red zone. And Ian book just takes off all the time before he needs to, he's just jumpy and they don't go downfield ever. Like this might be the worst downfield threat. Good team I've seen in a long time. And it's just, when you think about how to beat Clemson, everything about Notre Dame tells me they're losing 56 to seven to Clemson, the way they're built and the way this team moves, like they are going to get, eviscerated by Clemson and they're just not an elite team especially not this year they're missing so many guys they need Claypool in the red zone but like I just couldn't help but take away from this game just like Notre Dame's just not very good um their defense played really well at that and that's real Notre Dame's defense is legit and one of the best in the country um holding Louisville to 219 yards and seven points is impressive regardless of what you think about Louisville at this point but uh Tough year for Louisville continues, but Notre Dame just, they don't look good. Bad red zone team, not explosive offensively. That is a recipe for disaster against Clemson in uh, in November. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. I, don't, I just don't know what happened to Ian Book. I will say my take on Ian Book was before the season started, and since the season started, I've, I've walked that back a little bit. I feel like he just... I don't know. He he just seems like he's regressed. Like yeah, I feel like two years ago he was so much better of a quarterback than he than he looks right now. So I don't know what's going on with uh with Notre Dame's offense like Louisville, 
I mean, they just got blasted by Georgia Tech last week. Like, I I thought for sure Notre Dame was going to win this game by three touchdowns. Like, I feel like this might be – this is going to be a bad look on Notre Dame. They're going to need to bounce back and show that they're a lot better than this. Or, like you said, Clemson's going to hang 60 points on them easy. Like, that's game. that game's in, what, three – Three weeks from now, something like that. I'm sure yeah. it'll be. Uh, I'm sure it'll be hyped up. Notre Dame might work their way up to number two by then. Who knows? It'll be college game day and and everything. So we'll see. Yeah, that one's in. That's at Notre Dame too. So I'm sure they'll ESPN and everyone will try to convince us that's a big time game by then. I mean, it's and a big time game. It's just not going to be Clemson. close. Yeah, Columbus is going to win by five touchdowns. North Carolina, speaking of overrated teams, walk into Doak Campbell Stadium this weekend and fall to the Seminoles in what Mike Norbell is defining as a momentous program-changing victory um, to get the Seminoles to 2-3. and three. North Carolina falls 3-1. Uh, Mac Brown, not any success in Doak Campbell Stadium, dating back 30 years now. Um, he's just always, for whatever reason, struggled against Florida State. Well, it made sense back then when he was yeah. like first at North Carolina, losing to the the mid to late '90s Florida State teams. I have a I have a crazy FSU stat of just how far this program has fallen in recent years. Hit me. So this was the Seminoles' first win over a top six opponent since beating Michigan in the 2016 Orange Bowl, and that comes from the Tallahassee Democrat. Oh my God. Wow. You said 2006? No, 2016. 2016. Okay. Wow. That's a long time. That's, um, I also I feel like I should have a better stat. I, I don't know 100% what this stat was, but uh, I'm just going to give it to you anyway. I'm pretty sure I heard it was the first time Florida State has ever beaten a top five team as an unranked team. Hmm. Like that's uh, It's just Florida State football – they're not used to not being ranked, man. It's a uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy time. Like you looked up and you're like, Florida State beat North Carolina. Oh yeah, that makes sense. And then you had to kind of do a double take. Like no, North Carolina's the top five team here, and Florida State. I mean, they were just making plays, man, blocking punts. Like it was, uh, it was an exciting game to watch for sure. I what do we make of Sam Howell after this game? I mean, he's well, they fought back. Like North Carolina deserves credit for laying a stink bomb in the first half and then coming almost all the way back. Like they almost won this game. Um, they came very, they very close. Um, so they fought hard. They just had a bad first half on the road and just, uh, I don't know. The ACC is just a mess outside of Clemson and I guess Notre Dame to an extent, but, uh, yeah, that's you just never know what to expect. Once you think you're like, no, this team is trash. They're not going to beat anybody. Then they beat somebody. Once you're like, oh, you know, they've actually solidified <laughs> themselves as a contender. It's like, no, nope, they're just going to turn around and lose to an unranked team. Yeah, the ACC is just it's craziness. It sets up a. Uh, I don't even know what that. What, I'm sure this is it a Tar Heel State rivalry. What's that? Uh, what's the NC State North Carolina? We got a name for that rivalry. I know that's going to be a big one next week. It's a good question. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, uh, shout out to my stud of the week. He is my stud of the week, LaDamian Webb. So Jordan Travis and, uh, LaDamian Webb are going to be guys like Travis is really good. It's amazing. Just not having Blackman under center for them. It's just, if you're a Vols fan right now and you're just so bummed out about Garantano, like this is how quickly your offensive fortune can change by just inserting the right quarterback in there. Um, that granted you have to have that guy on your roster, but, um, 
I, I think the Travis Webb connection is going to really be good for Florida State and make them pesky and fun, uh, at least down the stretches here, and see what they can build off it. Because he, he averaged almost 10 yards a carry in this game, um, finishing with 109 yards, and he had a really good shifty run that I that I saw um, that I liked. So FSU, good for them, uh, good for that program, good for all my family that uh, went to FSU. So uh, shout out to also, the Also, fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. Fun fact for you, it's not a good name at all. I was thinking like a clean old fashioned hate kind of game, you know. know. They call it the Carolina State game. That's that's it. That's <laughs> that's not a great name. We need to work on that. North Carolina, North Carolina State. Come on. Yeah, that's uh, that they could do better. Be better. We need some creativity. Like I guess Duke, North Carolina kind of have the tobacco road thing, but I don't know. NC State, North Carolina, you gotta do better. Texas A&M, the number 11 team in the country, goes on the road to Mississippi State, who have now lost three straight to knock off the Bulldogs 28-14 to and improve to 3-1. and one. Um, I have mixed feelings about this game. I don't have mixed feelings about Isaiah Spiller, who continues to put together a really impressive uh, 2020 season, going for 18 and a buck, 14 and two touchdowns. Kellen Mond goes back to who he was two weeks ago by going 13 to 23 for 139 yards and two touchdowns. He was solid enough for them to win, but ultimately this was the Mike Elko defensive show and the Mike Leach offense still just, they're just struggling. Um, They can't, they have no answers right now. Um, They only uh, put together 217 yards of total offense for the Bulldogs and one offensive score. Yeah, man, Mississippi State, I just don't know what has happened to their offense. Like, from that, that first game to LSU to now, like, it's it just seems like it's getting worse and worse every week. I feel like this was a big win for Texas A&M, only because, like, when you're one of those good teams, you at least have some of these games in your schedule that you could just say, okay, that's an automatic win, you know? So the fact that just in, Texas A&M wasn't sweating this one and they just took care of business – I almost feel like that's a that's a step in the right direction, you know. We just didn't have to sweat out every single game on our schedule because Texas A&M they just seem like one of the most unpredictable teams week in and week out. But Mississippi State is now I think they had negative two yards rushing against Texas A&M. <laughs> They're now averaging twenty eight point five rushing yards per game. LSU is thirteenth in the SEC, so second to last. Averaging 96 yards a game on the ground. And Mississippi State's averaging 28. Like, obviously, it's an air raid offense, Mike Leach. But you got to have some sort of threat of the running game or else teams are just... Unless you unless Costello was doing what he did against LSU, throwing for 600 yards. But it, he just seems like they've been just turning the ball over so much the last few weeks. And it continued again this week. So this is a big win for Texas A&M to just... It's like a what do they call it in baseball? Like the the shutdown inning, you know. After you get some runs, you know, next time out, you know, you get that shutdown inning, so you get back to the lineup again. It was like you got a big win last week. Now let's get the sure thing win this week. And I mean, just looking at their schedule, like they could, you know, I've, I've there's been whispers of it. People talking, they can still get in the college football playoff. Like. Obviously, they're they're a long way away from that. But I mean, if they go nine and one, the one loss to Alabama, I mean, you look at the rest of the the last six games in their schedule, and I would say they're probably going to be favored to win all of them. So, but we, I don't know, fool me once, shame on you; fool me twice, shame on me. I feel like we've we've put our hype in Kellen Mond before, and we've been disappointed. So, 
something tells me they're not going to go nine and one, you know, but I'm not really basing it on anything tangible. It's just kind of like a feeling you have about Texas A&M. But if they're going to, if they end up nine and one, they, they could definitely make a case for deserving a shot in the playoff. I agree. Um, Pitt keeps falling apart that season where it was just all opened up for the Pitt Panthers. Uh, they fall on the road at Miami. Miami bounces back after a Clemson thrashing to improve to four and one. Uh, they beat the Panthers 31 19 at home. Uh, Derek King running the ball a bunch, but uh, yeah, it's just a solid speaking of just like boring, solid wins. Miami is now getting those boring, solid wins. Oh man, I was excited about this one for a while. Like it was a ten and a half point spread. I was feeling good. Like Pitt was keeping it close, but Miami got that late field goal to to win it by twelve. But uh, yeah, I feel like Pitt. I mean, it, it was a. I don't know. It was a. It was a tough, a tough performance considering missing their starting quarterback. So unfortunately, it's just another another loss for Pitt, and they just seem to be moving in the wrong direction right now. Auburn fights on the sideline between co- or, uh, quarterback and receiver. Speaking of moving in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> the understatement of the year. Uh, the Auburn Tigers go on the road to South Carolina and fall to the Gamecocks 32-22. Auburn falls to 2-2. Two and two. South Carolina improves to 2-2. Two and two. Bo Nix goes... 24 of 47 for 272, one touchdown, some brutal interceptions, just brutal Boy. accuracy. Just just bad. This is this is bad. Like Auburn, there's already a strong push for Hugh Freeze to come to Auburn, which uh, I could see that so quick, man. Like all Auburn cares about is beating Alabama anyway. It's yeah. like this guy is beating Alabama. Like, give him, give him a shot. Roll the dice. I guess Gus is beating Alabama by that logic, but they're finding out that they need more than just beating Alabama every few years. Bad game. Like South Carolina's offense looked really good. Bobo's offense making some strides. Shy Smith being as consistent as ever, going eight seventy six in the touchdown. But uh, yeah, this things are going to get worse in Auburn. I think this is the beginning of the end. Like I, if this. If the pandemic was not happening, I would be just like, lock it up, Gus is done. But because of the pandemic, because of cuts everywhere, because of how much Gus Malzahn's buyout is um, and what they can afford to hire the next coach, uh, I don't know. Nothing is for certain. But uh, yeah, just really bad, bad situation in Auburn, Alabama right now. Yeah, Um, I think you're 100% right. If this was a normal season, like Gus, the writing is on the wall for Gus. That's the... COVID is like the only thing that's going to save Gus's job right now. And this this felt like a little like the the Georgia-South Carolina win to me last year. It was like, I almost don't even feel like, obviously this is a big win for South Carolina. You know, when we were trying, looking at their this schedule, like trying Muschamp to find job wins, saver. it really did probably save his job, but they still didn't play well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, I feel like Auburn just beat themselves over and over in this game and Bo Nix seemed so trigger shy by the end of that game like he just like oh who do I throw to I don't want to throw another pick I'll just I'll just take off like he just seemed so rattled by the end of that game and it was like I I feel like I've defended Bo Nix 
to you. Like, because I feel like you kind of have like a hatred for Bo Nix, and he's a solid quarterback. He's just really bad. He's not solid. Oh man, he's, he he's seems to ap- be getting worse he's the by the exact week. opposite of what a solid quarterback is. A well, solid last qu- year he definitely was solid. Like he was a true freshman. You know, I mean, he's kind of gritty and all that. You know, didn't turn the ball over a lot. Make some plays with his legs, like all that. He just he wasn't great, but I feel like he was solid. He looked like he was at least going to become a solid quarterback because you. I mean, he is still just a so- like four games into his sophomore year, but he just seems to be regressing. Like some of the a couple of those picks he threw is just like, what are you thinking there, man? Like, I don't know. I feel like Auburn. Like this is yeah, this is a huge win for South Carolina, but I feel like this is going to give them a false sense of where they're at and like, oh yeah, must champ. Just give him some more time, you know. So let's get that must champ extension ready to go. Yeah, right. Like I guess if. If this is what beating terrible Auburn teams is, uh, is the standard at South Carolina, lock him up. But um, I think he definitely saved his job with this win because if they can, if they can get four wins in this season, four and six, that's enough to keep uh, Will Muschamp's job, honestly. But on the other side, Auburn, I mean, if they go five and five, six and four, that's even being generous. I um, I feel like Malzahn's got to be gone. Kentucky. Goes on the road to Knoxville and beats the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers thirty four to seven. Terry Wilson goes twelve of fifteen for a hundred yards and one touchdown. It made me sick. Um, I could go through all <laughs> That's my notes. Terry in this Wilson's game. perfect game right there. <laughs> like Terry Wilson stinks, and that Kentucky offense stinks. Like the there, if you just looked at the score, you'd be like, "Wow, humming it!" Like this Kentucky up. No, it was pick six after pick six. Tennessee just giving Kentucky all kinds of real estate and all kinds of uh, opportunities to just put points on the board. The defense was the story here. Um, and just the uh, the offensive ineptitude. And Jarrett Garantano gets pulled early in this game and put back in the next series. Um, JT Stroud goes in, throws a promptly throws a pick. Um, there was one bright spot, which was the what I'm coining the air gray drive where he had like nine carries on this drive and uh tennessee scored their lone touchdown on this drive um gray goes for 24 carries 128 yards he's still awesome um this is just bad like pruitt went after jim cheney post game and they're um i don't know Uh, there's a lot wrong with this offense right now harrison bailey even got some time in this game, uh, I don't know what they do with Alabama coming because they have a bye right after. <sighs> My gut tells me Garrett Tano is going to start against Bama, and then that will be it, and they're going to get Bailey ready post-Bama during that bye week and just a bunch of first-team reps and him start the rest of the yeah, way. It seems like Harrison Bailey should at least get a serious look of – you know, maybe maybe it's time to move on as a starter, but it I don't know. It almost seems cruel to throw him out there for right. his first start against Bama. But I got a stat for you in this game, a stat that you're not going to be crazy about. But, you know, it is what it is. Tennessee had 11 offensive drives in this game. On those 11 drives, they scored seven points and Kentucky scored 14. <laughs> so if Kentucky's offense is never on the field, they win 14 to seven. So it would just Jared Guarantano. I feel like can we can we finally pull the plug on Jared Gorantano? I just it's over. He yeah, was getting booed like in this game. Over. He got booed often. Like I had it never seen like that they, before. They were booing early in this yes. game too. 
Tennessee fans are done, man. I'm, I'm here. I'm telling you, Tennessee fans are, they're out for blood. It's year five and Garrett Tano's missing those 15 yard outs, throwing picks it. Like, it's just, he's, it's just bad. I feel bad because like everyone Tennessee I talk to fans, seems like he's like the a really, really great kid and it's just not going to work out. He's and just, I think Tennessee fans had like, you know, tempered expectations too. Like this is year, like we knew Jeremy Pruitt's not going to come in. Like they're not in the same position as Georgia where Kirby Smart's taking him to a national championship in year two. You know, they knew that. They knew it's a, a longer rebuild, but this is year three now and you want to see some tangible progress. And obviously, you know, we have our opinions of how the Georgia Tennessee game went last week. I feel like Georgia is kind of the one that kept them in it. But at the same time, you were in it for two quarters, for two and a half quarters against Georgia. So it felt like, you know, obviously we lost, but things are moving in the right direction to just get to get beat by Kentucky and to just get blown out like this. I feel like that's it's a huge loss. But I will I will say what I give Jeremy Pruitt a lot of credit for last year, how they opened up with losses at Georgia State and BYU and the team didn't just check out. They they bounced back and finished eight and five last year. That I give Jeremy Pruitt a lot of credit because I feel like it says, you know, kind of how this team buys in. So I don't think losing to Kentucky is a bad loss. You know, when you when you're in the SEC, there's just so many of those good opponents on your schedule. You kind of feel like Kentucky's one of those wins you have to have because they're not one of the ranked teams on your schedule. But with that said, Kentucky is a good team. So just starting the season two and two and losing to Georgia and Kentucky isn't the worst thing ever. Obviously, you probably feel like you're likely to lose to Alabama and probably Florida. So you're looking at at least four, maybe five losses. But I'm interested to see how Tennessee bounces back from this because they got to figure out the quarterback situation. And I mean, maybe you just feel like the season's kind of already over and and Harrison Bailey can start to build towards the future because Gorantano, it just kind of, we know what he is now. Last up, Virginia Tech demolishes Phil Jerkovic and this Boston College team that looked a little frisky this year. Um, Virginia Tech looking really good, just absolutely unleashing an offensive explosion on uh, the unsuspecting Eagles who fall to three and two. Virginia Tech improves to three and one. Uh, Hendon Hooker had 18 carries for 164 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Yeah, big time. This is kind of what I was saying about the ACC. Like I was starting to feel good about Boston College, and uh, no, they're not. They're not there yet. And I also have to. I have to apologize to Phil Jerkovic. I was calling him Jerkovic the last mm. uh, the last couple of weeks, but but yeah, I was definitely impressed by Virginia Tech. I mean, they've just been running all over people this year. And another game, three hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Like they were uh, they were pounding the rock. All right, well, let's run through some other scores from this weekend, and if you have anything else you would like to add on these games, SMU survives an overtime thriller against Tulane to improve to 5-0. and They go to 30, they win 37 Hey, man, that's my squad in the AAC, SMU. They're dangerous. Texas great Shane Bouchelle. Navy takes care of Eastern Carolina to improve to 3-2 and and 3-0 in the American. Uh, South Florida, another bad loss on the road at Temple to fall to 1-4. They lose 39-37. Liberty goes to the Carrier Dome and beats the Syracuse Orangemen 38-21. Beat them handedly. 
Like how? Like, is there a statute of limitations on <laughs> on what Hugh Freeze did or on his on his transgressions? Like, what's what's the limit there until you're ultimately like allowed to bring him back for a big time job? Like, how many years did Bobby Petrino get? Yeah. Before, how many did he have to spend in uh in rehab at Western <laughs> Kentucky until he was allowed to be back in a major conference again? Like. I uh, I feel like Hugh Freeze. There's gonna be someone out there that rolls the dice. I think you already said Auburn. That, yeah, that's got such Auburn like written all over it. I feel like we've been we've been uh, hyping up Billy Napier uh, for that job, but I think Hugh Freeze or Billy Napier, I could definitely see them getting that. Kansas goes on the road at West Virginia and loses thirty-eight to seventeen on the Fox primetime sh- uh, show there. Um, Army beats UTSA. Uh, before you move on, mm-hmm. I thought it was funny how like Nick Saban having COVID is like the huge, like the biggest story in the country. You know, like we're talking about it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it's like Les Miles has COVID. No one's even talking about it. It's like, oh yeah, well he's he's not gonna come. He might. I don't know why he would. There's there's no reason. He's probably prefer to not watch this team play. Yeah, it uh, was not good. Um. NC State, your team goes uh, against Duke and beats Duke 31-20. to UAB takes care of Western Kentucky to improve to 4-1. and Bill Clark, sneaky good for that Auburn job, I actually think. Um, would not hate that hire just with what he's done at UAB. Memphis comes all the way back and won a absolute just barn burner against UCF 50-49. to My guy, at least you tried, of the week, or we'll pick... The best player on a losing effort, Dylan Gabriel, goes 35 of 49 for 601 yards and five touchdowns. Matt Green, what did you make of this UCF Memphis barn burner? UCF and Memphis, I feel like this is what they do when they when they get together. I feel like we said it last week that the uh, the Big 12 or the AAC just needs to replace the Big 12 as part of the Power Five. I feel like this is part of the reason, like. Every like hyped up big time matchup in the American Athletic Conference seems to always be a great game. I think like the last last four contests between um, UCF and Memphis have just been ridiculous shootouts. Like these games are fun to watch every year. I don't know if you caught the end of this game. It had a crazy finish there, and UCF was setting up the game winning field goal, and uh, the kicker missed it. I think it was like a forty yard field goal or so. And dude was just losing it. Like, he was just, he was struggling, like, punching the wall and everything. And then it looked like, it looked like his teammates are coming up to him, like, talking shit. Like, it looked like their teammates and coaches were, like, keeping for a fight from breaking out on the sideline. Like, it was just, it was insane, like, the the final moments of that game. But, yeah, you gave Dylan Gabriel some hype for at least he tried, but... I got to give hype to uh, Brady White on the winning side. I mean, 34 of 50, 486 yards, six touchdowns, no picks. Like, if you were a fan of offense, which is all the Big 12 has ever done anyway, the uh, these AAC matchups are, are basically the same thing. And I almost feel like we're getting better football in the AAC than we get in the Big 12. I mean, 798 yards for UCF, 703 for uh, – for Memphis, I mean, these two teams, insane, combining for 1,500 yards in, in one football game. But it was, a, it was a good one to watch. Ole Miss falls to 1-3, and three, just a brutal schedule for them. Arkansas, who should be 3-1, and one really, right now. Um, that Arkansas 
UGA game looks a lot better now than it did at the time. Uh, Arkansas beats Ole Miss 33-21. I just, whatever you got to do, you got to make Barry Odom the new um, Dave Aranda, I think, in the SEC, where you just pay him as much as like almost every other head coach in college football. Because if you lose him, it's just, that's going to be a brutal blow. Because what he has done and what Sam Pittman has done in year one at Arkansas with no spring, no summer, really, like just no fall camp, like it just pretty, pretty wild stuff from the Hogs. And uh, that fan base is awesome. And I'm glad uh, they're having some success this year because uh, it's fun to see. I um I'd like to hype myself up for the second time on today's show. Uh, first of all, that Kentucky Tennessee upset, and then this one as well, the Arkansas Ole Miss upset. I I was telling you, man, I wasn't basing it on a lot of tangible evidence, but I could just feel it. Like Alabama's that game that people get up for. Ole Miss just like played their game of the year, just track meet. They were overlooking Arkansas, and and you could tell. Like I mean, Matt Corral, like for everything great he did for his reputation against Alabama. He basically just flipped it right back with throwing six picks against Arkansas. I, I lost count how many they actually took back for touchdowns, at least one. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, Arkansas, I I'll admit when I, when Sam Pittman got the job, I wasn't really sure what to expect because, you know, you're either, we kind of pigeonhole these coaches like, oh, he's an offensive guru. Oh, but he's a great defensive mind. And we kind of run with that. You need to get an offensive coach or defensive coach. It's like he's an offensive line coach. And he's basically from all accounts, by all accounts, he's been the best offensive line coach in the country over the last like decade or so. And so I wasn't exactly sure what kind of team Arkansas was going to be. But I mean, if you watch them play, they just they seem like they they play so hard and they're they've been in just about every game they've played so far this year. And I'm I'm not the biggest Felipe Franks fan, but they've even got good play out of Felipe Franks at times. So Arkansas, I just I felt like they were gonna surprise some people. And I, I wonder your your point about Barry Odom. I mean, sometimes guys just get comfortable being coordinators, and so maybe he felt like you know, things didn't go right for him in Missouri and he wants another shot to be a head coach, but he might could just be like, you know, I can coach the hell out of some defense and I'm good being a defensive coordinator at a, at a quality program. And maybe Arkansas can become that Sam Pittman. I mean, there's gotta be something. I think we all know why people want these Alabama coaches. I mean, they've, they see the, the template that Saban sets and then they, they run with it and they, try to build that somewhere else, you know, Kirby is a Saban guy. And so there, there has to be something to be said for how Sam Pittman saw how Georgia was built and on the recruiting trail and just in everything Georgia does to kind of mimic Alabama and kind of how they built their program. And it, it appears to be rubbing off because Sam Pittman has got Arkansas and like just so much better, so much quicker than any of us would have, would have anticipated absolutely shout out to him so good good stuff there um, they got a&m next week that'll be an interesting one that should be on at 330 not uh, tennessee alabama which i don't understand why yeah, is it too late to flex that yeah, one that, out that needs to go away um troy beats eastern kentucky to improve to three and one uh georgia southern destroys umass and the walt bells of the world um to improve to three and one two and one at home they win 41 nothing there i'm not going to doubt the claw offense anymore 
made the mistake of doubting them for too long. You did. Yeah, I made the mistake. That was that was on me. Um, they dropped 40 on Virginia. I'm out on Virginia. Sam Hartman's legit. Okay, Wake, you have my attention. I won't disrespect you again. I felt like it felt a little disrespectful. Yeah. Like you, uh, the way you talked about Wake. I have no idea where this that spread was coming from. You... You uh you disrespect him a little bit now. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall, it's got got some questions over there. Season from hell for them. Um, North Texas has maybe one of the best receivers in the country. Weirdly enough, they beat Middle Tennessee fifty-two to thirty-five to improve to two and three. Jalen Darden, who went ten receptions, two hundred four yards, and one TD. He's a slot machine. He's probably gonna be playing on Sundays. Um, last one, Marshall beats. Louisiana Tech to improve to four and O. Probably gonna be ranked after this week. Thundering herd. They better get them in the rankings, man. I've been hyping them up all year. Brendan Knox is good. Thirty-two carries, hundred twenty-five yards, two TDs. Grant Wells is Mister Solid. Like, uh, yeah, Marshall. I think they're a top twenty-five oh, and, team. And to give you an update, the AP polls got them in at twenty-two. Okay. And they are twenty-five in the coaches' poll. We got uh, three ranked. There are three unranked teams getting into the rankings this week. Also, NC State creeped in there, and Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. Beating Louisiana. For the first time. Yeah, ranked for the first time in school history. Is that really the first time? Yeah, man, Coastal Carolina. When, when else would they have been ranked? Maybe that's who should replace uh, Will Muschamp, whoever is coaching there, because I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um but yeah, this was a uh, this fun week called football. Uh, not a fun weekend for our teams, but a uh, fun weekend as a whole. Um, Matt Green, do you have uh, any other parting words that you would like to mention before we get out of here and watch the Braves hopefully win game seven? Um, that's about all I got. I will say that Jamie Chadwell is Coastal Carolina's head mm. coach. It's his third year. I don't know anything about him, but um, I'll, uh, I'll have to do some research on that. But uh yeah, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Atlanta Braves can can salvage our weekend. Ian Anderson can come out and capture lightning in a bottle one last time, and we can send the uh, the Braves to the World Series for the first time since '99. Fingers crossed, Matt Green. Always a pleasure. We can find you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. You can follow me at Chase Double underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseMossPodcast dot com. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, leave us a five star rating and a review on Apple if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Uh, we will be back like we will every week during the season on Wednesday to uh, preview a very interesting slate of games that will include the Big Ten. The Big Ten is back this weekend. Oh yeah, I'm excited for it. I I hate I hate how Georgia how the those couple SEC games got got shuffled. So now Georgia's got a bye week next week. I just it always sucks to have a, a bye week after a loss. You know, you got to sit on that for two weeks. But um, maybe the uh, the Big Ten schedule will provide some entertainment next week. Maybe maybe. All right, for Matt Green down there in Tequila, Georgia. I'm Chase Thomas, and uh, we'll be back with another episode of the Pod tomorrow but uh this particular show will be back on wednesday all right talk to you guys soon all right we are good nicely done nephew Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.